following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe to PWOM now to enjoy other fine podcasts talking wrestling of the past, the present, and much, much more. Let's start the show. Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm your host, your innkeeper on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined, as always, by my faithful co-host, appearing via old-timey radio this week, Stagger Lee Malone. <laughs> Lee, how are you? I'm not doing too bad. I don't know if people will hear this or hear properly or... It'll just would, go like... Would they just, just hear you twice with all the feedback? I don't know what's going to happen on this episode, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm having mic troubles this week because God bless the snowball. She likes to give some trouble. Yeah, it seems like the, the classic problem where the uh, the cable has gone kaputski on you. I'm sure uh, not the first podcast will have this problem. No, but it'll be a nice throwback. Your audio stream will be a nice throwback to everybody who used to listen to like wrestling podcasts on remember blog talk radio? Mm-hmm. Back in the day, people used to call in on their phones. You know, that might be it. It might sound like a, a Joe Lanza dodgy mic show. <laughs> just can't. Yeah, yeah. We're just stealing other podcast gimmick of terrible audio now. But uh, yeah, we will hope to amend it in the near future. But just to say that from the start, that if it sounds like Lee is underwater or the podcast is haunted by Lee, <laughs> uh, that's what's happening. Um, and, and if you do hear some heavy breathing, it's okay. It's just because my penis is on the screen. Yeah, it's just it's just your own personal penis alert. Um, <laughs> Mike issues aside, pal. How have you been this week? Yeah, it's been good. Good couple of weeks since we uh, yeah. last recorded. I feel like the moods, the collective moods, are starting to improve a little bit. Um, we're the summer is starting to creep in, and it's hard not to be have a little bit more pep in your step when the the weather is improving. Yeah, it's it's funny, like, the, it's still kind of, it's not bright, but it's not dark at the moment. And we tend to record in the dark, which is which is Pitch fine. black, yeah. We're, we're, we're both generally night people, being wrestling yeah. fans since young ages. Yeah, um, and, and it feels like this is, it's appropriate to do a show at, like, a, a scuzzy bee show like this <laughs> in, the, in the cover of darkness. No, no, the neighbours can't see. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, the, like you say, like, it's it's... The summer is coming in slowly. The weather is generally getting a bit better. Mm. Um, I mean, me personally, we're back training. The, the, I train a kids' football team, my son's football team. And yeah. it's great to see all the kids again. And Like you said, generally, everyone seems to be in a bit of a chipper mood these days. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I've started, so for the first time uh, since February of 2020, I was back in work with people in person uh <laughs> since our last recording which has been like it's tiring jesus you forget how like just being social 
and talking to people and not being in your pajamas all day uh like it really does take it out yeah i know you only stopped working for like two or three weeks during all this oh, so i'm like not a, exactly yeah i had like fucking three i think it was two or three weeks of like three day weeks so yeah. you know i'm not exactly feeling your pain but yeah. you know it's it's weird like but uh it's great and it does help the mood just uh seeing people like again i started this uh the new half of my job um i only started in january and i so i hadn't met any of the the young people in my job or even my co-workers since i started uh in person just on zoom uh so it was great to see them and get the lie of the land down there um and the other thing i was just gonna say if there's one thing i can't wait for the end of it's all these ungodly amount of bad adverts on tv about zoom calls i am sick of adverts about zoom calls I even threw a, a Zoom joke into um, the other reason that we were, well, the other reason that we were delayed, we were delayed tonight because of the mic issues and we we're delayed by a week because of uh, just my schedule because mm. I finished college last week. So I had like a final assignment that was mixed in with a short film project and a presentation and I managed, yeah, I worked in a dumb Zoom joke uh, because like part of the thing was like to talk about how covid has affected our field um our field of work so uh i had to roll in your actual field no no not my not the field at the back of my house or anything (laughs) like that yeah so i actually was like i i screen grabbed myself i like i i screenshot myself talking away on a zoom call by myself uh on mute just because you know that's the whole i've i the sentence you're on mute has been uttered more times this year than i'd I'd care to think about but i'm also in a good mood like one because i finished college which is great and i managed to uh, as i as i tweeted out i managed to work in uh references to garth marenghi and uh david lynch and the white stripes in in the presentation so it was very on brand personally speaking um but as well the stuff is starting to open back up in ireland which is great and i am counting down the days my friend the cinemas are back open in june and uh i I don't know what the first old film i'm going to see is because nothing's out so for the first few weeks it's going to be uh just old shit all the time (laughs) but uh the first big new one i think we're both excited for fast nine f9 the fast saga can't wait Oh, I can't wait. And you know what? There might be more related to that coming to a podcast near you very soon. Uh, who knows? Um, closer to the world of wrestling, though, um, I think as a WCW podcast, it would be remiss of us uh, not to mention uh, that a War Games match of a sort happened last week in AEW. Now, I again, it's one of those things where we're not going to tread too deep into it because that's our stable mates at Boom Goes the Dynamite have that shit covered. Check their Blood and Guts special out. It's on mm-hmm. the, the this very network as we speak. But Lee, uh, what did you think of Blood and Guts? Blood and Guts. Mm. Um, I thought... Surprisingly few guts. <laughs> well, I mean, we all saw Jericho, so, you know. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I thought it was the closest to a WCW War Games match we have had since, you know, 19, fucking 90, what, 5, 96 was really the last good one. Yeah. Um, God, and even before that, like, the properly good ones were about 94, I want to say, was the last mm. really classic one. Um, yeah. But God, yeah, no, I thought AEW knocked it out of the park. Like, all all things aside from the finish, which yeah. was, you know, we won't get into that, but... Mm. 
aesthetically the cage looks fucking amazing yeah. um, I loved they all had their big match gear yeah all matching gear like two squads in their matching gear big match feel yeah. Um, as soon as the the pinnacle came out in all white gear yeah. I lost it <laughs> I, I was just yeah that like these guys get it just just yeah. brilliant um, and then like the the inner circle in their prison boiler suits yeah what was it the dead presidents is that the reference yeah um, so yeah uh, just aesthetically a phenomenal job by all involved mm. um, the match itself right up until the very end I want to say just pre-Jericho's entry I thought it was on course to be one of the best matches of the year yeah pacing was just brutality violence yeah I mean as I heard I think it was um, I think it was Joe Lanza or, or Rich on the voice of wrestling said uh, the two FTR guys just couldn't wait to blade. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure they both bladed off punches. Like, just, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were dying to get in there and bleed like their heroes. Yeah. Um, but Sammy Guerrero, just Jesus, what performance! He was unbelievable. Ortiz as well was fantastic. Mm. His uh, house of fire when he came in. Uh, Santana was great as well. But I think we've come to expect that from Santana at yeah. this stage. I think the the groundswell for a Santana solo run is going to be growing uh, over the course of this year, I imagine. Um, but yeah, I thought, like you, I thought this was first half dead cert match of the year candidate. I thought after the Jericho introduction, things did get a bit tropey and started to dip a little bit, but I think it was still on course to be considered like a notebook match for mm-hmm. sure. And yeah, it's just the finish that really kind of, oh, that's, that's so disappointing. Bit, yeah. And this time, not even the, like, you know, the effects were the real fucker in the barbed wire mm. exploding bomb death match. Um, this time, like, yeah, the thing looked like he just fell onto a double bed. Uh, but for me, it was just like he was really let down by the direction. Like they, they, I, I, I think you make a far more shocking image by holding on the hard cam and just seeing him plummet off screen. Uh, see, I think they could have, instead of having the the um, platform raised where it was, yeah, they could easily have had it sunk below. Like they could have yeah. had a crash mat underneath the stage. Yeah, well, what I was thinking that you could do it similar to the um, was it the Brody Lee Mox match? Yes, where they where they disappeared. They did the pile driver through the... Yeah. Wasn't it a pile driver through the stage? Um, yeah, if you just rigged that up again and, like, Jericho was never to be seen yeah, again. Like, like you you think of all, like, the best ones you've seen. Like, you know, Taz and Bigelow yeah. from ECW. Um, Undertaker and uh, Big Show, Big Show choking, slamming Undertaker through the ring. Like, when they disappear, there's that visual, that, like, Jesus. Yeah. Even though you know in your, in your mind they're fine, yeah. generally. It's that when they just they're gone that's when you really think fuck um, I, I didn't necessarily have a problem with the the sammy begging off and surrendering no. because like i think for the the narrative they've told about like how jericho is basically mm-hmm. a father to him yeah. i think that all makes sense like it's a it's a good payoff um but yeah there was some tropey stuff i wasn't as down on the five on five standoff as some people i think if that had been the only tropey thing and then it had gone on and the finish had been excellent it would have been fine yeah, because I, I think in and of itself, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the thing WWE do. But, like, 
I I think with most things like that, there is a way to do it well. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it was then followed by another five minutes, five or ten minutes of like, oh, that wasn't great. That wasn't great. If they had just done the standoff and they went ham on each other. And I think it looked better than when WWE do it for one of those spots. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, the fact that you then had Jericho standing on the cage for five minutes while the commercials were on. And, and I, I think like that. ultimately for me, I think being the first Blood and Guts match, I yeah. would have liked them to stay in the cage. I don't think they needed yeah. to be on top of the cage in the first yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I Like, rules are there to be broken for sure. But yeah, like, if you want to get over the cage and the match beyond and yeah. stuff like, like that, it, yeah, you don't want them breaking out every time. I was just going to say, like, if you have two or three of them and then somebody gets up onto the top, then you're going, okay, yeah. now it's a big deal. Yeah, because something to learn from wrestling history is that you don't want to escalate things too quickly. Like, look how quickly ladder matches got completely fucking out of hand. And now, like, I don't... I used to, like, gasp at the idea of a ladder match and think, like, this is going to be amazing. Same with Hell in the Cell. Um, And now I'm just like, oh, fuck it. Like, I just know it's just a match. Um, Whereas I really think stips should be... If you manage a stip very well, it's a pay-per-view seller regardless of who's involved. I, I think AEW in general has done a very good job protecting stipulations except for maybe the lights out match. Yeah. I think they've done three of them at this stage, which is probably yeah. too, too many. I think, have they done two lights out and one unsanctioned that wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah. called a lights out match, but it was a lights out match. So I think, I think that's probably like too, too many in that case. But yeah. I think generally they've managed, like they've, they're what yeah. two years into their run they've only had one steel yeah. cage match yeah have they done was it two two ladder matches yeah the, they've done a couple of the um they did the one for the big poker chip yeah. that uh cage one and they did the face of the revolution one mm-hmm. and yeah. like like i say generally they've done well but hopefully we don't see one of these for at least 18 months now yeah yeah and hopefully not the same time of year yeah don't, be, don't um, do that <laughs> no so something else that uh you know kind of wrestling tangentially related and also sort of related to WCW because there is some WCW stuff covered in them are uh just this spate of wrestling documentaries that are all hitting all at once. So the A and E series um that are covering different WWE legends uh have been running and I think so far we've got Stone Cold, uh Piper, Savage and Booker is the next one. Booker I think T Booker is, is it this weekend, isn't it? Or was it yeah. last weekend? Last weekend. No, I think it's next. I thought it was next weekend because I, I thought it was the same night or tomorrow as we're recording this because uh, I think it airs the same night as the Nick Gage Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, okay. I thought they were on at the weekend. That's what I was thinking because Booker was the one I yeah. saw advertised on. I want to say SmackDown or something. Yeah, I could be wrong. Now. I could be wrong, but um, yeah. So there's that, and then Dark Side of the Ring started off with a two-part season premiere on Brian Pillman the last two weeks, and I so I've seen the Pillman ones and I've seen the uh, Stone Cold A and E. And you were saying to me beforehand, uh, before we started here, you haven't seen either. I haven't seen either, but they are on my watch list. Somebody yeah. very nicely provided a couple of links. That, what a handsome devil that, that person must that be. I will definitely be checking out. Um, um, I just haven't had a chance to be yet. Yeah, so um, The Dark Side of the Ring is excellent. And I think that series is getting better and better. I think they've um, they've really in... like they've really toned down the there was a couple of episodes in the first two series that i felt were the really 
sensationalizing this or you know soap operifying it much more than it needs to be like the actual story itself is weird and grim enough that they don't need to be going this ham on it i feel the quality of their research has improved markedly and i would say that's in no small part to the fact that david bixenspan is working with them now Mm -hmm. um they've got big dave back on this series who is kind of like he was on series one um and was kind of all but completely gone from season two i think he may have popped up once but if that um so i i feel like as documentaries they're getting much much better i still think it's you know if you're as deep in the weeds a wrestling fan as you and i or a lot of the people listening to this will be i still think the ratio is probably about 70 odd percent of stuff you already know and then maybe 30% of like, you know, little bits of detail here and there on situations mm-hmm. and, and people and, and things like that. But the Pillman one is, is great. Like it's a real tragic portrayal of a guy who just like, you know, they they talk about the sliding doors moment that, you know, he, he comes out hobbling out uh, at King of the Ring the year Stone Cold wins. And there's a moment where they pass each other on the aisle and you're like... The, the leg being fucked and the crash yeah. aside, like, could he have been in that spot? You know, like he's somebody with the the talent in the ring and the charisma and personality on the mic that he very much, the sky could have been the limit for the guy. Like, it, it's very much a thing of if he hadn't had the crash, he probably wasn't ever going to be in the WWF anyway. Yeah. So it's one of those, like, it, it possibly would never have happened moments. But yeah, no, I get that. It's very much of... A moment where, you know, well, we all know Austin didn't instantly become a megastar at that moment yeah. as soon as he won. But it's very yeah. much, Pillman has gone from being the hottest thing in the business to this guy that he has this history with passing him by. Mm. Very yeah. literally passing him by. Um, it's, yeah, it's very dark and very tragic and they don't really pull any punches. Um, It's kind of, um, it's real sad. They have all three of his children on... And they have the the second wife, Melanie, on, and they they go into great detail as to what happened with the first wife's untimely death, and they basically, and by the sounds of it, with good reason, absolutely throw Melanie under the bus, um, because she's kind of sitting there. I I was surprised she agreed to do it, to be honest. Because, like, you get clips of her going, well, this is how I saw it, you know, this is what I was doing, and things like that. And then it will smash cut to, not so much Brian, like, Brian Jr., who is the biological son of her, uh, and and, and Brian Pillman. Um, He doesn't as uh, openly blame his mother for stuff, but the two daughters absolutely do. You know, for coming in and, and driving a wedge... Uh, between I can't uh, was it Kim life for me no is that Kim, not no Kim, Kim was the Kim's the, the the coach yeah um oh I um, can't think you you might look it up there when I'm talking <laughs> just to save me yeah, going yeah, mad but go on um so yeah and it is really grim the one thing I will say that I was surprised because she was very much like minimizing um things for herself for a lot of it but um she kind of basically um. I, it's weird to say spoilers, but the 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 first wife uh, committed suicide, mm. like, uh, essentially because uh, 
Melanie wound Brian up into agreeing that they should try and take sole custody, that she wasn't a good or responsible mother. Um, and that drove her to, to take her own life. And um, Melanie is quite honest about how, like, in reflection, she does believe that she played a significant role in, in driving her uh, to die by suicide. Um, which I thought was like, I was surprised because I thought the vibe was going to be that she was just like, no, I, I don't see it that way at all. She was troubled or something like that. It felt like it was going to be a deflection, but it wasn't as much of a one as I expected. Um, But it, it was nice. Uh, something that came out of it was that like, I had no real, I know, you know, some of the things he's tweeted in the past are real dumb, but hey, he's a wrestler, you know, whatever. Mm. I find myself personally coming out of that really rooting for Brian Jr., to like make it because like that like jesus that dude's life has it's a like it's a hell of a story and you know he deserves to be happy and just hearing him talk about like how you know when he's in the ring he feels close to his dad it was real heartbreaking stuff um but a really excellent two-parter and you'd have to have like a heart of stone not to feel for the kids and for the whole tragedy of the situation you know um but for, for some the... reason i can't find it it's not on his wikipedia who was ah. uh first wife was okay which is very strange um but the so the a and e documentaries like i said i've only seen the stone cold one the contrast there i would say is that very much you can see that there is a professional association between a and e and wwe on this i'm, uh, I'm guessing they're not you know they're not as good as um the last dance series on netflix but it has that very heavily edited in the favor of the people they're talking about feel yeah so and like and the thing is right so we know there's an association with wwe but also i imagine there's some sort of input from the subject into what gets put in and what doesn't mm-hmm. um so like any of you who like know Austin's history and things like that will know he's not one that has been ever keen to talk about his past with domestic violence, which I thought was something that like if you're going to do an honest to God documentary of Steve Austin, especially one that like it does cover that period, like it goes right up to his retirement. Um, It's not like, you know, I would have thought maybe if they were going to be trying uh be real underhanded about it they could have just done it up to the austin 316 promo it's still a pretty good story and then just leave it at that but no they 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 carried it right through um and didn't address it didn't address it at all there's like so there's allusions to things like you know i was drinking a lot of the time and things like that and i wasn't a good husband um he gets more into depth about um i say more into depth only a little bit into depth about how like he wasn't a good father Okay. And it's something that he'll live with for the rest of his life. And he, he talks about how like they have a much better relationship now. It's still not a proper father because he's got two daughters, I think. two daughters from uh, yeah. Jeannie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so he's like, it's not a proper because I, he's like, I wasn't there. And I don't I didn't really know them until they were adults properly. Um, and he like the one thing he fully admits and isn't like again because to give him credit would be if he uh, if he actually addressed the domestic violence stuff but um, in this particular instance y- you give him credit by saying no like it wasn't that 
it wasn't just that I was being made to work, it was that I didn't want to be at home because I was driven by a selfish pursuit to be better than everybody else and to keep everybody else off the same level as me by being that much further ahead. Like, he admits that he did it for completely selfish reasons. He also coasts over... Um, there's a little smudging of the details about his medical emergency on the day of Mania 19. <laughs> yeah, what is it the Mania documentary that covers that extensively? Or The Mania of WrestleMania, where like three of the four main eventers <laughs> spent some time in a medical facility like before yeah. or right after. Yeah, Brock, uh, Brock got fucked up during a match and Angle and Austin were fucked up going into the match. Yeah, I, I want to say it was that Mania 19 yeah. documentary. Wasn't That's a really like surprisingly good documentary that isn't for WWE on the network. Unsurprisingly, no. considering it's just on the DVD, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like they really go into it. Like they fucking show you the ambulance arriving to the hotel, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It very much glossed over like what caused it, and you know, I think his excuse was that he drank a lot of coffee and he was tired Energy and dehydrated. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if, if you want to go with that, that's fine. Um, but what, yeah, what was it? I think he says anxiety and the caffeine and stuff like that. Is that what he says? Yeah, basically. And what really um, caused it was, um, I forget. I fucking forget the story. What was it? It was. I don't want to say live on. Okay, okay. <laughs> to, right. I don't want to libel him. I'm pretty sure I know what the actual story was, or what was said to be the actual right, story. Okay. But let's just say it's not what he said it was. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I think if you go into it knowing it's got this very WWE sheen and knowing it's going to gloss over some things that in an honest to God, cold, hard fact of life documentary, you think they should tackle. I, I think it's pretty well made apart from that. Like, I think it is a good recapping of the, you know, the high points and they spent a lot more time on his pre WWE career than I would have expected for a WWE associated documentary. Um, I, and it was I, nice. It was a nice kind of pairing to to watch that and see the stuff with the Hollywood blondes and that before we got to before I got to watch the Brian yeah. Pillman documentary. Um, I I think from from looking online, the um Savage documentary seems to go a little bit deeper into his demons. Yeah, they apparently they absolutely go for him in that one, um, which is kind of yeah. And Although it, it it reflects how persona non grata he became. I was just going to say, I, I don't know for sure, but I think there was things of where they don't outright say, but they allude to that rumor that we've all heard. Yeah, I because I, I saw a tweet over the weekend. is like, imagine if there was just like a screenshot of uh, Oliver Cop being interviewed because Oliver knows. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> God. Um... And the one thing I saw about that Booker T things, which makes me think it was out, is that they lost over the Triple H angle. People like you don't win the world yep. title. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that might be it. Well, we all we all know anything bad about Triple H and Stephanie have been erased from history. Mm, indeed. Uh, although apparently this past Friday was like some significant numbered anniversary of the greatest SmackDown segment of all time with uh, the Booker and Austin in the supermarket. Was it? Yeah, apparently. I know they did like a throwback SmackDown, and they they featured it on. I don't know whether it was an anime. Maybe that. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Either way, it's that's that is a fantastic segment. Oh yeah, great segment. 
Um, before we get into Thunder though one last little thing to flag up with people in a couple of weeks we will be out of 1998 at long last which means it's time for the Thundies uh, our second installment of the Thundies if you haven't been around or you haven't gone way back into the archives yet which look what's stopping you guys we're all locked inside still um Every six months of Thunder time, we stop and award uh, some of our favorites in a bunch of different categories. Um, and this will be the end of 1998 Thunder special coming up in, in just a few weeks time. In advance of that, uh, I think we need to crack open those topics from our, our midterm 1998 report, and and... Uh, have a look if you want to keep all of them or change some stuff around. But in the run-up to the Thundies show, we will be posting all the categories as polls on our Twitter, at WCW Thunderpod. So it will be decided uh, by the people. Um, really? Who? What? <laughs> said, really? Is that what we did last well, time? By letting I, them decide? I can't remember. It was like literally a year and a half ago at this stage that we did it. But I think yeah, no, we, we definitely we did, did it by poll last, last time. time yeah. Yeah, you made me do- you made me doubt myself there, you fucker. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd take control of this podcast since then. Yeah, but let, just uh, to let you know that Thundies are coming, and uh, if you're waiting around for the polls and you want to get involved in the end of 1998 action, if you're somebody who's just been listening to the shows, or if you're somebody who has been watching the Thunders along with us, God help you, um, please do let us know some of your, your favourites from 1998 thunder and 1998 days of thunder um and we'll try to include them either as part of our polls or just as kind of reflections during our thunder special um which should be coming up and i think we've got what two thunders and a pay-per-view and then it's yeah because there's no thunder posts um starkid yeah straight into 1998 Yep, so after this, three shows left, and then it's your Thundies. So uh, you have been warned, folks. Um, Let's get into it, Lee. Our beers of thunder for this week. What have you got in the holster to get you through this one? While we've been having this lovely 25-minute-plus conversation. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get to the point where it is just less and less a podcast about thunder. It's just us talking. Um. I've been sipping away. I have two glasses sitting in front of me. They both contain some bullet bourbon direct from the great old US of A. Oof. And let me tell you, they are hitting the spot on this balmy evening in my kitchen. I uh, I have gone for another out of my uh, collection. Uh, unfortunately, I can't find the little notebook, so you'll have to uh, just take my word for it. Uh, this is a Nomad Outland whiskey, uh, which I am now going to try for you on is this that great the name program. of that new show on Disney Plus? <laughs> They've named a whiskey after that. Oh yeah, well look, that's that's how far the tentacles of the mouse. I was just going to say the, 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 the mouse has been hitting the heart. Mm. Yeah, that's um, it's quite a fragrant whiskey. And it kind of like um, burns a little more than the usual. So it must be. <laughs> you can hear that in your voice, just cracking just slightly yeah. on that one. <laughs> it, it must be. It's either quite high or it's it's only like um, distilled once or something like that. Um, I can't wait to. I'm sure as soon as I stop this podcast, I'll find the booklet uh, with all the information about it. But I'm not arsed looking it up now. I actually discovered today talking to a guy in work that a friend of his has a collection of Jack Daniels that is worth over 30,000 euro. 
and you're trying to get his address now to I, listen, stage I've got, a heist. I've got it narrowed down to one county. <laughs> <laughs> cool. <laughs> We're halfway there. <laughs> yeah, you'll get that signal triangulated one of these days. Uh, we are here to talk uh, Thunder episode 43. It's the second half of a double shot taping in Memphis. Uh, December 10th, 1998, this one. Um, the granddaddy of them all, as they say at the start yeah. of this, is only 17 days away. Two companies competing, not over the ratings, but of the fray- for the phrase granddaddy of them well, all. Well, didn't WWE only start using it posts bio? Ooh, I'm not sure. I think they did. Yeah, the first one I remember them using it for was X7, which obviously they had bought them yes, out. Yes, that, that's like, what I remember as well. Yeah. And if anybody knows any differently or has any examples, even better, send them to us on Twitter. I love the idea that like of all the things they could have taken over from WCW, all the pay-per-view names, all the concepts, that that is one of the first ones that came over. The that that's something that, that, that sounded nice in Vince's head. Uh, um, the man's fucking demented. Of course, that's yeah. the one thing he talking about. Yeah, that's SARS. Or possibly just as likely Jim Ross liked the sound of it and realized that no one owned the rights to it anymore. <laughs> like that, that company had folded. Or in the, um, like in the case of Paul Heyman, they just used the uh, name anyway in spite of not owning it. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, that was during his stint on commentary. So who knows? Um <laughs> So yeah, Starcade is only 17 days away. We're being teased with Ray versus Hoovy tonight, uh, Wolfpack versus NWO Hollywood, six man in your main event. And uh, something I noticed about this, and it may be a little harbinger of um, the commentary team stopping giving a fuck, and that is that uh, for the first time I've actively noticed it on a double shot, Bobby didn't change his gear. Uh, oh, between really? tapings, I didn't he's, notice. he's still wearing his Willy Wonka suit um, from last week, or his Tin Equality Street, I think I called it, uh, suit. Okay, so, I, I didn't take note of that exclusively. So, but Bobby, there, either, there you go. there's a first sign. Bobby is either starting to check out, or he just, uh, you know, maybe he uh, didn't want to to pay the dry cleaner to do two suits this time. Who knows? It's the festive season. He was feeling loosey goosey. Well, we should would we should say that throughout the night, Bobby is just pissed off all night about being with Gene Oakland for the weekend. Yeah, and the who is it? It's like every time something is mentioned, like the Nitro parties with the Nitro girls, it's like, could you please not send a Nitro girl my way? Or there's another. Uh, it's like t- you know, tickets going on sale, so you'll have Hart and the Nitro girl. You'll have yeah. you know, tickets uh, going on Miss sale pay per view, and it's Miss Elizabeth and Lex Luger. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's Bobby and Gene going to, is it somewhere in Minneapolis? Yeah. Like an old AWA town. And he's just like, please, yeah. please just send one night, your girl. Yeah. <laughs> All night. <laughs> uh, our opening contest is, I think, the third time for us in the program and the fourth time overall. We've had the epic clash between Bobby Duncan Jr. and Chris Jericho. Um, I mean, why don't people talk about this feud in the uh, annals of all-time great WCW feuds? Uh, probably because it's shite. Um, <laughs> Ralphus is here with Jericho. Uh, did, huge amount of Jericho signs in the crowd. Like they're, The crowd really just love Jericho at this point. Did, did you see the sign that said, keep Ralphus off the streets, re-sign yeah. Jericho? <laughs> yeah. The, um, 
it's speaking of people who just don't give a fuck anymore. Like Chris Jericho's clobber here coming out. He has what I, I, I tried to describe it at first and then I just erased it and wrote mad hair. Mm-hmm. Just mad hair. Uh, long fingerless gloves and a lovely shiny shirt with his... Uh, as well as his, his own t-shirt underneath. <laughs> his own t-shirt and his orange gear. Like, it's just it's so many colours clashing and he just didn't give a shit. Um, and we, like we, I wrote, we, we should say, throughout his entrance, the commentary, all three of them, are just like putting Jericho over like fucking mad. Yeah. I like I would suspect, you know, with the things that are going on and, you know, it probably rapidly becoming apparent that he's he's, he's not going to stick yeah. around or that he's at least at the moment, even if they, they don't know he's not going to stick around, that at least they know he's very unhappy. That I, I would suspect, like, if I'm Bobby Heenan and I'm Tony Schiavone, I'm smart, smart enough to realize that, like, this guy is good and we should be holding on to him. Um, I, I like, actually get the impression that they've gained respect for him being pissed off. Yeah, probably. And, and like, he's something... He's something a bit different on the show. Like, I know if I'm commentating some of these Thunder shows, I am seeing it as, like, an oasis when Jericho comes out, like, being tossed a life preserver or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, I I enjoy that on the way down to the ring, they see a Thursday night Ralphus sign, and Jericho's like, oh, yeah, you see that, Ralphus? And then he tears up the sign. <laughs> um, Tony mentions a huge brawl on Monday that took place between Bam Bam, Nash and Goldberg as they went off the air. Um, And then we get to the in-ring match. And a a lot of it is Bobby Duncan Jr. selling. Uh, And I was kind of contemplating at this point because Bobby Duncan, we've talked about this, not very good. Um, And I, I just spent most of this match, instead of paying attention to the wrestling, just thinking about... How much of this feud is about improving Bobby in the ring? Because that's something you do do with these new green guys. You put them in a, like a little program with somebody who's a good hand, and they hopefully by uh, getting them on multiple TVs and on uh, on on um, house shows with mm-hmm. them, they'll 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 pick something up. You know, like the famous one, uh, the, the famous most recent one I can remember in WWE, and it's not that recent at all, is when MVP came up and he was shite. So they made him wrestle Benoit three times a week. For they had him, months. <laughs> yeah, constantly wrestle him on SmackDown and then wrestle him on pretty much every single dark show. And yeah. then eventually he got real good. Um, but uh, I can't tell how much of this is that and how much of it is just punishing Jericho for the, the Greenberg thing. I mean, I think it can be both. Yeah. I don't think it's exclusively one or the other. Um. I do think Bobby Duncan Jr. may be the worst non-flock member we've seen so yep. far. Um, there, actually, no, that, oh, that's a lie. There, there's one person yeah. in the main event later on. Uh, I was going to say, there is one person on this entire roster who I can think of yeah. is considerably worse. But apart from that extremely you know ground-level bar that he yeah. has to cross with that person, um, yeah, no, Bobby Duncan Jr., just... Jeez, I don't see the point in 1998 of pushing the fucking cowboy-looking motherfucker who can't wrestle. Yeah, it's he. He can't wrestle. He can't. Um, they even tried in the last match we talked about of theirs. They did some like brawling, which mm-hmm. is usually the the nice smoke and mirrors way of hiding it. And he was shy at that. Um, there's just nothing there. There is just nothing there. Um, 
Bobby finally gets some offense in in this match. He attempts a powerbomb. Jericho, you reverse into Sunset Flip, but I I don't know. I think this may have been more of a Jericho's fault than Bobby's fault, that it just looked a bit shite. So sloppy, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was real sloppy. Uh, and then when he reverses him into the sunset flip, he does the foot on the ropes for the win. Uh, but now Conan is out to tell tales on Jericho. And I love this, that like the referee usually like, you know, he's not going to reverse his decision just because some Yahoo said it. But Conan comes out, tells the referee, oh no, he cheated. The referee's like, what? We must restart the match immediately. Disgusted he is. <laughs> The the referees are on some shit the last few weeks of this show. Man. But I mean, how cool is Conan coming out and, like you said, tattling on Jericho for cheating? Yeah. You know, this, this is the cool guy, the hip guy in the hip group. An incredibly heelish tactic to do so, I would say. But, you know, whatever. Um, Jericho hangs Bobby up on the ropes Bobby attempts a sunset flip Jericho kneels down to try and cover him Uh, Conan runs in, smacks him with the belt Bobby rolls him up for the win Uh, What I will say is you know, we talked about the art of the TV opener Mm -hmm. before and I will say in terms of names having a Jericho in your TV opener, especially when he's increasing popularity, good call but in terms of the in-ring product he was likely to get out of Bobby Duncan Jr., bad call. Yeah, that's, you know, you, you flick over at the start of a show. I mean, Bobby Duncan Jr. isn't keeping you fucking engaged, is he? Um, no. Not good. Not a good fucking match at all. No. And I think particularly, again, this is a point I harp on over and over again. But you think of this as the kickoff match to the second half of a double shot. And this you want this match to get people up and get the energy level because they've they're coming down off of what I assume is like the main event of the last show, then an intermission, and now you're trying to get them back hyped and warmed up and this was not the match to throw in front of them. And the crowd are a bit of a problem tonight. Yeah they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but more on that in a while. Uh, video package next, and this is just recapping the uh, the setup for Flair versus Bischoff. Uh, Flair disappointed in Barry Windham for taking Bischoff's side. He challenges Bischoff, uh, Malenko and Dusty. That that stuff we talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, it's with the, Dusty set, it's the exact same on. video package as we saw yeah. last week. Yeah. Um. Then we get a Saturday night tease, and I'll tell you what. Saturday night is it's stacked this week, but uh, the fact that it, the first name on the list was Pepe, uh, Pepe I was Chavo, like, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, this is bad. But then it did improve because it said Pepe, and they said it was Pepe with Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> so Tony put it, which was you know a little bit funny. And then you got Wrath, Conan, Eddie, Hoovy, uh, Stevie Ray versus Scott Hall. So there's like a good few names on on the show this week. Do you know when it used to be just uh, join Mike Tanay and Scott Hudson on Saturday? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's come up in the world from, from those ones. Um, next match is Glacier versus Saturn. And I thought this had a high potential for some stiff work. Um, that I don't you, think you had mess- hopes. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I didn't think it was going to be good, but I thought they were just going to smack each other a bit, yeah. which would have been entertaining for me. Um, the story of the match here, um, again, you'll know as a running theme, uh, listeners, that there is not much to almost any match on this show. No. Um, Saturn is tenaciously attacking Glacier to keep him grounded, ankle locks and knee bars, battering him in the corner till he bails outside. Um, like as this match goes on, I'm just like, what is Glacier now? 
Yeah, I I thought something very similar where I was just looking at him going, I mean, he's just a redneck in a fucking singlet. They they've like they've slowly stripped away the cool entrance. Yeah. Like he still comes out with the mask. The entrance is less cool though. Um, they were doing the thing where he was sort of teaming with the cast. Yeah, he, they're they're loosely aligned, but they aren't. And Sonny Ono seems to be trying to bring them together. And the only thing that they have going is they both like karate, maybe. Yeah, and like all, um, all I know about Glacier's karate is he does slow kicks and he does the arms a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he does he does karate arms. He kind of does karate the same way Mac and it's always Sonny does yes, karate. Exactly. Um. So yeah, Saturn whips him into the guardrail at Glacier again. This is something that like it's so weird. This has happened a couple of times on on Thunders of late, where the heel asks for a timeout. I mean, I listen, like, maybe timeout should be allowed in wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, like a flag on the play in a in a pro wrestling match. Uh, Sonny comes out of nowhere in a neck brace, and he grabs Saturn's leg on the apron, which allows Glacier to take advantage. He hits a, a huge suplex into the ring. Saturn gains some steam, but gets cut off by, I think, the only decent move Glacier threw in this match. That little spinning back elbow he did looked pretty decent. You say decent, I said, what the fuck is that? Yeah, I like I I was just like, look, he's trying some shit. Like he literally threw Saturn. I want to say like a ninety degree angle to the ropes. Yeah, and then proceeded to roll in a different direction <laughs> into a spinning back elbow. Look, perhaps I'm being too kind because I want to believe that the glacier that had that surprisingly good match with Goldberg is still in there somewhere. Nah, he's gone. He's long gone. <laughs> he's gone. He's long gone. Uh. Glacier throws a big boot and he's starting to feel cocky and he's taunting and he's standing up on Brett's rope and, and jeering at the crowd. Uh, Saturn finally fights back, takes Glacier down. As soon as he goes for the rings of Saturn, Sonny is in and just gives the lightest kick you ever, because you wouldn't want to stiff Saturn if you're Sonny Ono. <laughs> oh, listen, uh, we you... all know you do not fuck with Saturn. No, you, you want to talk about a man who's guaranteed to give you a receipt? That is Perry Saturn. Well, Dave, I don't know if you know this, but Perry Saturn was an army ranger. He was. He, that, I have heard that. Um, as well as being tri- a martial arts division champion. He realizes he's fucked up and he tries to bribe uh, Saturn. Uh, Saturn has absolutely none of it. Grabs him. Hits a falcon arrow. Nobody kicks uh, out the falcon arrow, Dave. Nobody kicks out of it. Uh, and then he puts him in the rings. Glacier tries to drop the elbow to break the rings of Saturn, but uh, Saturn sees it, rolls out of the way. Elbow drops Sonny. He gets suplexed for his troubles. Uh, Bobby claims he wants to go check on him, but uh, t- yeah, this is great. Bobby is just As like, soon as the money be- comes out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I better go down and check on Sonny. It's like, and Tony immediately knows. It's like, you're just going down because there's cash in the ring. Which, if it's- you know the whole story of how Sonny came into WCW, Mm. was Bobby selling him 50% of WCW. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just, That's da- yeah. Bobby with the deep lore there. Uh, our next match, which was one where I was like, oh, like with time and the right crowd, and I think that last part is the, the sticking point here. With time and the right crowd, this could have been a decent mix of dudes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaz Hayashi versus Norman Smiley. Um... 
because you know we've talked about it before on the show Norman has his lucha experience and Kaz has his junior heavyweight style like that's a good mix that's seems to be somebody thinking about let's get a good match here early in the show uh, I did appreciate as they were coming out to the ring they were talking about that Minnesota appearance for uh, Bobby and Gene and there's uh, a line here is like Bobby you must have great memories from Minnesota and Bobby quips back with I don't know her name anymore <laughs> Uh, I love Bobby Bob, but you know what for all his faults Bobby actually did have a good night tonight mm. uh, something I want to talk about in this match Lee um, the disturbing image of Norman Smiley's dancing pecs <laughs> what's disturbing what the fuck was happening here like this was he was going to fucking town on those things this is a man that's proud of what his body can do he was having a two peck conga line I, I don't know if you'd noticed but the big wiggle is starting to be a thing uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, our first proper sighting of the wiggle. And he was uh, encouraging happens. the fans. Although I think yeah. he was trying to get heat more than anything, but yeah, he was yeah. trying to encourage the fans to uh do the wiggle. Well, this is it. Like so there's there's some good action at the start, peck dancing aside. And the crowd chant boring. And I felt that was pretty unfair. Yeah, I, like and the commentators I, I, even acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah. So something that I noticed is there's almost uniformly and this goes to show, like, the the Crash TV, this is what 90s wrestling fans, you know, where their priorities were and what they were looking for from a wrestling match. Almost every time we've ever on this podcast seen a crowd chant boring, almost every time, not every time, but almost every time, it's in a match with good wrestlers while wrestling is happening. Mm-hmm. Because this is very much the entrances and finishers generation. Yes. Yeah, it, it's... And it's weird that, you know, we're both nostalgic for parts of this era. Considering, like, we would consider ourselves to be like, wrestling fans now, per se. Yeah. Um, Like, we both love a good wrestling match. Um, But yeah. <laughs> we like, both love a good razzle. A razzle. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, anytime there's, like, boring chance our fans just fucking just not engaged at all is yeah. generally when it's actually the potential for a good wrestling match. Um, mm. I did love, Bobby has a great line about, um, I think himself and Shivani had been discussing Norman's new attitude. Yeah. <laughs> and Bobby comes out with, well, you know, you got to be somewhere between Saddam Hussein and Mr. Rogers. <laughs> there is, in my estimation, Lee, a wide berth between those two. Like, they... To say you're between those two is pretty much the entire span of humanity. Listen, I, I understand the point he was trying to make. <laughs> you, don't, you never go full to Saddam, you know. You know, you know. <laughs> That's true. That is something they actually have up in Gorilla, is not to go full Saddam in the ring. Uh, uh, oh no, I won't make that joke, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have to edit out your cancellation. Yeah. Um, ah, that's, that's fucking well, long gone. <laughs> out the window um so yeah the the one like so there's a smart bit of work in here we've, we've talked about it before that norman is a guy who's not getting the spot but it definitely has the wrestling iq mm-hmm. um because he sees the opportunity of the fans chanting boring and he uses that uh, to get his heat rather than doing the traditional just heel beat down he is actively riling yeah. up the crowd like you said he does the big wiggle at a point he's he's jawing with people in the front row you know it, it's smart stuff he dances the pecs even more to rile up the crowd 
And then instead of just doing a beatdown, he leans into the boring and he just starts stretching Kaz. So it's good stuff because it gets the fans into the idea of a Kaz comeback because they just want to see this boring guy shut up. Like, like the, the, this isn't like Norman Smiley at this point has already been like a top star in Mexico. He's mm. he's heard every fucking chant and I'm assuming some very fucking awful chants directed yeah. at him. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of boring chants isn't going to phase him. Yeah. Um, there's only two people in the entire building that seem really into this match. Uh, one of them is just a woman who seems to be screaming on and off mm-hmm. throughout the entirety of this match that was incredibly off-putting. Um, and then another one single man in the crowd who you will not Lee in a million years convince me this was not Roy Walker former host of Catchphrase uh, because he had the head of Roy Walker I did not see this guy yeah Roy Walker is there in the crowd and I will not be convinced the, otherwise the one fan that I took note of all night was the guy on the hair camp side in the suit well I say a suit he was in a short and tie with the t-shirt slung over in yes. front of him on the on the fencing, yeah. yeah. Who was very animated. Yes. Throughout the show, yeah. Um, I think these guys were on the hard cam side, so it was only when they were out oh, around the yeah. ring or, or things like that you could see them. Um, So match gets a little bit messy in spots, including, like, a slow motion roll-up from Kaz at one point oh, that looked real bad. God, like, you want to talk about fucking wrestling and treacle, like, um, Smiley picks him up for I want you know like that kind of double handed choke slam kind of choke thing, yeah. and Kaz like very slowly positions his legs around Norman's midsection, yeah, and rolls awkwardly into a into a, like a victory roll schoolboy type thing. It very much uh, felt like one of those things where you know maybe like a breakdown in communication, a language mm. barrier. I don't know what Kaz's English was like at this stage, or you know. Um, I, I think it could have been both were anticipating something different yeah so I think Kaz might have been thinking like Norman was going to really pop him up yeah whereas Norman thought he might have been gone for some kind of other type maneuver like it's just it, like you say a little bit of a breakdown in communication. just one of those things it does happen you know um, and it's just unfortunate that it happened right towards the end of the match mm-hmm. uh, Norman locks in the chicken wing and it's weird because uh, Kaz is tapping for absolutely ages before the ref is like oh yeah <laughs> yeah let's not forget that tap outs only became a thing in 1998 yeah yeah uh, like uh, as if you didn't know that already this would have been a strong strong hint uh, Nitro flashback and we have Goldberg taking or sorry Nash taking exception to Goldberg versus Bam Bam happening on Nitro um, uh, he says he guarantees the match will not happen I don't get this fucking segment um, all you need to think about Lee for any segment that Nash is involved in during this period of time is who the booker is yeah no I, I get that uh, the only motivation in Kevin Nash segments is for Kevin Nash to look cool. Yeah. But, like, I I really need to break this one down. Like, I know it's Nitro and we don't cover it. But it's on, it, we got to see the replay on Thunder, so we're going we're to talk about it. Hold on, yeah. We're going to get, at this moment, a mini Knights of Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so we get to see Goldberg arriving with security and Terry Taylor for some reason. 
uh, because apparently now the championship committee travels with Goldberg. And all of a sudden, Nash is screaming that he's not supposed to be facing Bam Bam, even though it's not a title match. Why the fuck does Nash care? Like, what's Nash's problem with, with Bigelow in story? They have no issue. Yeah. Surely, surely if I'm Nash, I'm like, oh my god, this monster is going to soften up the unbeaten, invincible yeah. Goldberg for me. This sounds brilliant. Like, and then Nash has a promo in the ring where he, this, uh, it's not a quote for quote, but he basically says, Goldberg thinks he's running this place. He's wrong. I am. I'm making this a triple threat match. Yeah. That's basically what he says. Yeah. Uh, like, essentially, like, it's one of the real big fourth wall breakers before even the days of Vince Russo. So, what? So we're 20 days before their biggest show of the year, Starcade. Yeah. And their big main event in, like, I know this happens in WWE all the time where nothing is fucking protected anymore. But in 1998, you aren't giving away the first physical interaction between your unbeaten monster and the guy who's on a fucking hot streak for the last four months. Yeah. Who was a seven-foot monster who's never faced the babyface champion. Yeah. He was also a babyface, we should say, in a triple threat match. This is their first physical interaction, and they're giving it away. Yeah. Like, whatever if you just, like... (sighs) I, look, I don't want to go um, too deep into it because we've talked about the ways we do the Bam Bam thing mm-hmm. and about how like we'd make the Bam Bam thing a pay per view yeah. because like the heat, um, now that 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 him like storming the building on his first Nitro and him storming out at World War Three, um, got now I will say I don't know whether it was. The gear he was wearing wasn't very flattering. Oh, he was looking rough. Bammer didn't look in good shape. No. no. Um, now, whether that played into things getting cut short, I don't know. Hmm. But it's still no excuse for taking what had been a fucking incredibly hot feud. Like, not even a feud. They were literally building to a feud between yeah. Bam Bam and Goldberg. And I feel like I don't remember him being in this bad a shape for his whole run in WCW. Like no. I know he I know Bomber was hurting and he wasn't in he wasn't svelte in WCW by any stretch, but like I, I see like, you know, I don't know. Like mid ninety eight when he's in ECW, he isn't in like he's not fucking he's not physically like fucking top notch bam bam. He's not like mid nineties bam bam. But I mean he's not in this like he doesn't look that bad. I don't know no. whether it was the baggy t-shirt. I it, The baggy t-shirt definitely didn't help, but it was something I absolutely noticed. Like, he's only on screen for, like, maybe 45 seconds, yeah. if even. And it's it sticks out. Like, it really does stick out. Yeah. It's such a shame, because, like, I'm a, I, if I'm him, I'm that guy that, like, you know, I, I've just... I've just arrived in this company. I want to make... And they're putting me in with... Goldberg straight away. I know I'm gonna lose, but like, or I'm not. I like I'm not gonna get the better of this feud. But surely, 
yeah, it's just disappointing because I think we I think we're both said on the show before like we're we're fans of Bam Bam. It's just disappointing to see him like this and to see that like you can probably understand if that's the reason it was cut short. I do get it. Yeah, I I like yeah. I have to say like this is the first time I will say I do get it. Yeah, because he wasn't like he wasn't on the outs prior to coming to WCW because he was injured or anything like that. Like he left ECW because he wasn't getting paid, yeah, wasn't it? That, that was the reason. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like he had this big long injury and he'd put on weight because of that. It's just yeah, it's like, just a bit disappointing. He was on. I want to. I want to say he was on the November to remember pay per view. Was it because they had like a triple threat versus triple threat match? In I think it was Taz, Sabu, and Van Damme against the Triple Threat, Candido, right. Bam Bam, and and uh, Shane Douglas. Yeah, I'm just looking at it here. The main event of November to remember. Yeah, so that would have been what early November. Hmm. Uh, let me find out. It was November first. And like, when did he? So about a month before this. Yeah. So like, and I mean, he's showed up in WCW at World War Three. Which was like the week after, I think. So there you go. Like it's not like he was gone any particular time from the business. No, it was like like two weeks so, at most. Yeah, no, it it's strange. Yeah, and yeah, the whole um, the wisdom of putting Nash in there with Goldberg when you only had to wait three weeks is ridiculous. You could have just done the the pull apart. If kid like they've killed, like, yeah, like they've killed any fucking anticipation for it like yeah. the, the payoff to Goldberg and, and Nash yeah is that face off at Starcade where you know they're about to clash it, if um it's that Hogan giant thing Andre the Giants yeah. thing if um if Nash wasn't so precious about looking tough and cool at this time I would say a way you should have gone is by having him act the big man but also get one of those no contact clauses and have him tried like he was doing with Giant mm-hmm. trying to rile up Goldberg and get him to get the match thrown out but I think we also have to remember that in the background is himself yeah and it's all leading. he's never going to make himself look like a coward no I, I more mean in the in the background in Nash's ear is Hogan oh yeah and it, we, we know where it's going and ultimately the the turn yeah. is the big moment. It's not... Yeah. Ultimately, Nash beating Goldberg isn't the moment that they want yeah. you to remember. Mm-hmm. It's coming to a very special edition of a podcast near mm-hmm. you or what what needs to be remembered. Um. Anyway, that, that, yeah. that concludes Nights of the Nitro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um. Next up, I thought we were going to get our Cruiserweight match next, but the cat comes out. I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote, what the fuck is the cat doing here? Um, he he lashes out at Penzer and then gets on the mic. Uh, he says, in your classic, I've really thought about this heel promo, says the fans are stupid looking. And again, does the angle that I really question the wisdom of, challenging random fans to get over the barricade and fight him. Um, he says, and this like real grim uh, in, in hindsight, uh, says he's gonna lock the doors of the building and kick everyone's asses and not let them out. Um, Sonny wants to know uh, where Cat was when he was getting beaten up. Cat in a great line, like to avoid taking blame for it, says 
Sonny, you work for me. Let's get that straight. <laughs> and then Sonny, like, as the, the little shit he is, uh, says, what, are you afraid of Saturn? And he's like, oh, I'm afraid of Saturn. I kick his ass. <laughs> Um, so essentially, that's that's the way we're heading now. Uh, is that Sonny wants him to to challenge Saturn to to reclaim uh, his dignity for him? They, they, they uh, seem to have a real solid relationship going on. Yeah, and then just as a little PS to that promo, he just wants everybody to know that he hates them. <laughs> uh, our next match, yay! Ray versus Hoovy. I think the one real proper bright spot here on this show, mm-hmm. uh, which was very, very run of the mill and very, very pre tapey. Um, I I liked the little touch that both Ray and Hoovy enter to the LWO music. Yeah, which is ultimately Eddie's music. Yeah. What so what I there are things I liked and disliked about this match. Um, the thing I liked the most. Um. You know, we've had them wrestle each other a few times now. Mm-hmm. And the thing I liked about this is because there's that increased history and the layer of the LWO on top of everything else and Hoovy's kind of got this new character now. Like, it's not quite the juice uh, yet, but it's, it's you know, it's proto-juice. Yeah. yeah, it's proto-juice. Um, there's a bit more needle to this. There's a bit of... This doesn't feel as much like a contest as two guys who just don't like each other now, uh, trying to just wail on each other a bit. I, so I, think, I like that. I think they start with a little hand slap, don't they? Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit it of just, disrespect. Yeah, it's like that little bit of respect is still there, but ultimately they won't know. I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. Uh, so they just do then they get into the kind of stuff we want to see from them. There's just lucha joy, is what I wrote here early <laughs> on. We get. A- an enormous running Liger bomb from Hoovy yeah, <laughs> early Jesus. that like looked like it was the finish like that's how he planted the fucker uh, and then immediately after that is the part of the match I really don't like which is um, I understand the story element why you're doing it but the LWO members start coming out and the thing about it is as soon as they come out I'm completely taken out of the match because mm-hmm. it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to get involved. You know they're not going to let Ray win the match. Yeah, and they're incredibly distracting while they're out there. So I can't just enjoy this. You know, it'd be one thing. I'd be annoyed on one level if they came out at the end as a surprise and ruined it. Mm-hmm. But I'm also annoyed that I couldn't even enjoy it for a little while because they came out so early. What What did you uh, think of Bobby's suggestion to give the nameless guy a name? Uh, and being immediately cut off. <laughs> No, we will not give him a name. But did I hear his quip after that? No. He just quietly goes, you could call him Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> and today, our, uh, Shivani just does not acknowledge him at all. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, so, yeah, we get a really cool uh, reverse suplex by Hoovy onto the ropes. Man, that, uh, that could have went so badly. Yeah, it that uh, the way he did that at the distance they were out from the ring mm-hmm. or from the ropes, uh, there was a real narrow margin of error there. Where like it could have they fucking ooh. nailed it up, Jesus. Yeah, uh, I suppose no better men at this time to know each other and know their you know their ring positioning and things like that to get it right. Um, we go on for a little while with me being incredibly pulled out and distracted by the LWO around the ring. Um, Hoovy hits the Hoovy driver. He fucking landed him with a hoovy driver. 
Yeah, he he planted them like a fence. Post. I, I feel like, like we say proper... that, we say that every time that we hit it because every time we see the fucking Uber driver, like the guys seem to be near fucking death if they don't hook their neck. Yeah, yeah. it feels like I always think of um, my buddy Sean McGee at at Teletext Mister T. Uh, I can't remember which one he is now because he keeps getting. I was just going to say Twitter. which account is he on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Famously once banned from Twitter for slagging off Mick Hucknell from Simply Red. Um, that was also the weekend we came up with this podcast. Yeah, he. Um, so he he always tweets after a big Walter match. He goes, "Could somebody tell Walter that it's fake?" <laughs> and that's what I think of when Hoovy hits the Hoovy driver, and it looks like a shoot Hoovy driver. I'm like, did anybody smarten Hoovy up here? Like, um, he goes for the four fifty. Ray musters up just enough strength to hit off the ropes and crotch him. Ray goes for the top rope Perkin Rana and the LWO immediately run in for a disqualification. Uh, they all start to beat down Ray until Billy Kidman comes out to to make the save and he hits a, a crossbody that takes, what, three LWO members out in one go? Yeah, um, it was like a real fucking comedy bad guy spot, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I Like, I know, so, you know, there's going to be, at different points, there's going to be Kidman-Ray matches, there's going to be Kidman-Hoovy matches, there's going to be Ray and Eddie, blah, blah, blah. What I really want, without having looked it up uh, and spoiling myself, is soon I want a good 10-12 to 12 minute tag match with Kidman and Ray versus Hoovy and Eddie. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I do know yeah. in, I want to say, like, March, maybe late February, March, we get the, yeah. the kind of semi-permanent Ray-Kidman team. Good stuff. Um. So, yeah, that that's the end of that one. Um, we get a flashback to Nitro uh, that was harrowing it was a giant promo uh, that starts off with him calling DDP Leatherface which is one of the like is one of the early uh, jabs at DDP being surprisingly old for somebody mm-hmm. with so little experience um, he challenges him at Starcade and then we get some of the most haunting lines of promo Paul White has ever uttered in his life where he asks if he thinks he does all the banging around here, asks if DDP is the bang man, and saying that at Starcade he's gonna get banged. Somebody <laughs> should clip this this uh, promo and send it to uh, Mister No More BS Paul White on Twitter and ask him yeah. his opinion on this promo. Why did he? Why didn't he go to WWF with the gimmick the, the bang, bang man? man. <laughs> Well, it's the Bang Man. Vince would have loved him. Oh, he would have. Oh, bang Man. Oh. You wouldn't have been doing Rikishi get fucking. Uh, what's the uh, what's the word impersonation? Well, then quite quite frankly, he needs to be doing more banging on television if we're going to call him the Bang Man. <laughs> would have been a cross between the Big Show and uh, the world's largest love machine, Viscera. Oh god! Imagine Big Show coming out in the Velcro or the the velour uh, tracksuit. Oh, <laughs> what would they call themselves? What would the tag team be? The Big Bangers. <laughs> <laughs> the world's largest bangers. Oh god! <laughs> do you know what? I'm, bang machine. Do you remember the Adidas bottoms with the buttons on them? Oh 
Oh yeah, they would have been wearing them to the ring and just fucking whip them off. Chip, yeah, the, yeah. Oh, I mean, like the the arrest development bit. It's like, are, are you saying <laughs> with with Job? It's like, are you saying that you could just wear stripper clothes in real life? And he's like, <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> oh God, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, later on, then on Nitro, we see DDP run out with a chair to save Wolfpack and Batter the Giant. Um. um is this now again? I know it's me reaching and and trying to think of a reason for us wasting our time on this fucking show. <laughs> Please rationalize our hobby. But DDP saving the wolf pack. This isn't the first time. No, we've had. There was a period where Lex nearly convinced him to join, yes. wasn't there? And there was like that moment where he was about to join until Dennis Rodman hit him yeah. with a chair. Yeah, so there's like a, I think there's a loose, alliance. a loose alliance of like, I'm not in the wolf pack, but sometimes our aims align with one another sort of thing going on, which, you know, I like that. And Hall has the same kind of thing going at this at this moment. He's not in the wolf yeah. pack, he's not in the NWO. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, that's something I enjoy. I don't think you have to necessarily join up. I think like it's acknowledging history and it's acknowledging nuance that you're not, sometimes you don't have to be in the faction or against the faction. Sometimes you can be like, yeah, yeah. cool guy, nod, that, that, walk away. That's fine. And I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, this isn't the first time this yeah. has happened and that's good. Yeah. But again, playing into where this is ultimately going on January 4th, yeah. mm. there's no fucking payoff to this. No. <laughs> no, no. And it's just weird that they've gone back to it in December. Yeah. We're going to, like, really need to stock up on the hooch for that show. <laughs> like, this... that entire year of 1999, this is going to be like, oh, if, if you with a bang. <laughs> if you enjoy when these shows make us miserable, have I got good news for you for the next two years of podcasts minimum? I, I think we can say safely the first show post Hundies. Yeah. It's going to be fucking epic. Yeah. When is uh, Mayhem in 99? What month is that? October? Because I remember... I don't know why people were talking about it um, recently. Um, but I saw it on Twitter and people were talking about it. So it's November next oh, year. November. Yeah, so it's November in 1999 and somebody said that is the last good pay-per-view they ever do. No, and I was not. like, oh my God, there's like over a year left. No, 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 no. No way. <laughs> You're just refusing. No, because I've seen that pay-per-view and it's not good. Oh, right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> nah, listen. Is that where the bar is by then? <laughs> we'll know where the fucking bar is by then. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um speaking about lowering the bar, Lodi is out next and he's wrestling Booker T. You want to talk about a mismatch here, Lee? Um Hey, did did, uh, did Booker T go straight from the shower to the fucking ring? Because that oh man my is God. soaking. He was listening to the I rewatched Fast Five over the weekend. I'm in a I'm in a film club and the film that was picked this week was was Fast Five. And something I hadn't noticed because I'd that never the watched one in Brazil? it. Yes, I had never watched it in 4K before, and I never saw it in the cinema at the time. The Rock, <laughs> the Rock is soaking wet for that entire film. The man is like 300 pound of muscle in Brazil. Of course he is. No, 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 I'm not surprised that he is, but like, I'm surprised that they didn't like 
it's just like from the just you can count individual beads of sweat pouring down his face during it. It's incredible. Dave, I don't know if uh, you know the, this, but he took all of the steroids before that movie. Uh, I was talking about we were we were talking about um myself and friend of the show Jack Lazell were talking about like if it ever got to them throwing hands at each other how how quickly would a fight a real fight between Rock and Vin Diesel end because you know they famously don't like each other in real life um and don't want to be on the same set as each other and has made like shooting these films very complicated um I think it, but, I think it would be very much like the Rockham and Sockham robots where they're just that, nothing else is moving except the arms. He said, like, Jack said, and it's a very fair point, that, like, The Rock is huge. Like, if, you know, he gets his hands on Vin, it's probably going to be very quick. But then I said to him, I was like, well, like, the last time, one of the last times The Rock wrestled, doing a fake wrestling move, he nearly uh, tore every muscle in the top half of his body. So if, like, Vin could outlast the first attack, then he'll probably win by default. Didn't he tear, like, muscles off his abdomen doing something? Yeah, he... He tore, like, he tore his abdomen and, like, I think, like, something in his shoulder and one of his pecs doing the rock bottom. Yeah. On Cena. <laughs> Which, had, like, he had totally come full circle from the Hogan match where Hogan, like, couldn't fucking move after yeah. taking two rock bottoms. But uh, this match was not that match. Uh, Lodi versus Booker T. An axe kick within seconds of the start of this match killed Lodi stone dead. <laughs> As it should, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stevie comes out asking what the hell Booker T is doing very good question I have never agreed with Stevie more than during this promo basically saying that like what are you doing out here wrestling the sign guy come on Uh, and you know it got to the point of him being throwing these truth bombs to the extent where I started actively feeling bad for Lodi because he's just burying the guy and he's standing right there yeah he's back on his feet at this stage and he's kind of looking at Stevie like oh come on man (laughs) Yeah, he's just like this guy. He's like this guy's a real piece of shit. <laughs> like, what do you do with him? And then he just like, as soon as Lodi, like I say, gets back to his feet, realizes he's being buried. Stevie pauses, turns around, hits him with a slapjack for disqualification. Uh, and then he says, "Booker is acting acting like JJ Dillon's, you know what?" Um, so this is part of the whole. Stevie is still trying to get Booker to he, see. Once he said he wants to sort sort his stuff out or something like that. Yeah, so it's still playing for him to join the black and white, but like as well, kind of a brotherly like, what you're you've got off the boil completely here, mate. What's going on? Well, see, what happened there was Stevie took his fucking TV title off him. Yeah, <laughs> and lost it. And wouldn't let him answer his phone for four months. Yeah, <laughs> Mike Tanay is still ringing him. Yeah, poor, poor, poor detective Mike Tanay. Um, our next match: Canyon versus Benoit. Um, and this was the other match where the crowd like really told on themselves mm-hmm. for the kind of wrestling they're into. Uh, so first up, Canyon's on the mic and he's saying he's sick of Raven, calling him a man-child. What about him? What about Canyon? And then Bobby Heenan. What about Penzer? <laughs> <laughs> Told you, Bobby has a really good night here tonight. Um, yeah, great, I, a great matchup. I like this is a match where, like, I'm looking at that Thunder roster, and this is a matchup I would make. I'd like to see these guys have a proper knockdown drag out. Um, you, you skipped over that. Uh, Canyon says he's figured out that the fans are intentionally getting his question wrong, just to yeah. anger him. Yeah, which is just just, just great heel stuff, isn't it? I like Canyon a whole bunch, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Canyon hits a really cool fisherman neckbreaker with a cradle. Uh, Benoit spends a lot of the middle of this match just putting an almighty whoopal on this boy. Jesus. <laughs> My God. I mean, look, you mentioned um, Walter just a couple of minutes ago. 
Chris Benoit's chops in this match are brutal. Oh, God. Uh, they're just one step shorter. I saw the somebody was circulating the gif of the um, the Eric Stevens chop that causes Roddy to start chest. pouring yeah. blood out of his chest. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I I felt that uh, during this as well. Um, so yeah, he's putting a whooping on him. Uh, the action is quite enjoyable in the ring, but I think like. That that's in isolation. I think within the context of where this is in the taping mm-hmm. and what the crowd has been like all night, I think this is the wrong yeah. kind of match they're working. It's measured and not in the right way. I, and I think if this the, if this match was like match number two on the taping and not match number yeah. fucking eighteen, yeah, I think it'd get a different reaction. Um, the lack of urgency in this middle period really takes the wind out of the crowd, and you hear some light boring chants again. It's a good physical match, but like I said, it's got no heat to it. Um, so much as we're enjoying it as it's going along, this is like the second longest match on the show, I think. Um, so I'm enjoying it, but the crowd only really react when Raven comes out yeah. with a can of paint. <laughs> yeah, why? Don't know, just doing some decorating backstage. In In his deep depression, he just found a can of yeah. paint. Yeah, well, he had to he had to paint his dressing room black to to reflect his heart. Yes, do that out every arena. That's how goddamn emos. You know what they're do, like. Do you think that's in his contract um, with uh, Nick Lambros that he gets to paint every locker room he's in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he, it's his it's his tour rider. You know, only blue M and M's, only black paint. Um, he wellies Benoit with the can of paint for the DQ. Him and Rave, uh, Canyon and Raven have words before Raven just bails out of the ring and leaves. Uh, Benoit has recovered from the paint can shot and locks Canyon in the cross face as we go to break. I had one moment in this match. I was watching watching this match. I watched the show in two parts. So I watched um, the second part of the show yesterday evening. So uh, Con- mm-hmm. Connor was watching the, the second half of the show with me. And Canyon hits the... Uh, what I describe as like the the flapjack or um, didn't Sean O'Hare's finisher used to be, like it's like you start on the shoulders in like the AA position out into like yeah. the flapjack. Yes. yes, yes, yes. And Connor was like watching. He goes, "Oh, you did the TKO." I was like, huh? "No," and I said, "Not quite." <laughs> but you know, <laughs> like fair play from no one. Like, where, where do you remember TKO from? He's like, "I don't know. Just, just know it's TKO." Huge Mark Miro fan uh, well, in the house there. Which considering <laughs> he has never watched any Attitude Era stuff, I don't know where he got TKO from. So, uh, Does he play the wrestling games? Yeah, but I don't think they call it in that. But if you're doing the creative uh, never, wrestler, it might... Ah, uh, yeah. Because that's what I used to do. What's always funny in those games is what they call the moves of the guys they don't have under contract anymore. Oh yeah, like like say a Styles clash before AJ Styles signed was like fucking standing fucking vertical face driver. Pin. Yeah, so they, yeah, they'd have to, they'd have two versions. So they'd have it where they'd try to actually describe the move by comparing it to other holes and things like that, or they'd do a let's try and find a a verge a word to describe the move that reminds you of what it's actually called but isn't that and the one i always think of is when brock left the company and they were still mad at him uh the f5 was called the cyclone yes i remember that yeah 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 uh but anyway uh we come to our main event and tony describes it as having been a wild and wacky night of thunder and 
Ooh, hard disagree there, Tone. Uh, <laughs> I love Tony Schiavone, but this has been a paint-by-numbers edition yep. of this program if ever I saw one. Um, the main event is supposed to be a six-man tag, uh, and what it ends up as is Horace, Stevie, and Vincent. What a fucking rogues gallery. Uh, versus Conan, Lex, and question mark? Uh, because the Wolfpack Lee emerge a man short. Because apparently Sting just couldn't have been our shown up. No. He was still applying the face paint because somebody had taken the black paint to, to paint their locker room. <laughs> and he couldn't find any. So he had the red done and he was pacing around backstage going, where's my black can of paint? <laughs> just screaming, I'm not going out there like this. <laughs> I, absolutely, I absolutely refuse. Um, so Horace, Stevie and Vincent... Is this the worst yeah. six-man team of all time? It would have, like, because even, like, I'm trying to think, who are the other absolute B-teamers uh, for life? And, like, like uh, even if you I'm, popped in Brian Adams, it's an improvement. Like, I'm thinking of a modern comparison, and, like, evil Ujiro and Ghetto. Yeah. And I don't think that would be as bad as this. It's horrendous. And, oh... Now, thankfully, um, Conan is just a bundle of energy. And I think, you know, it's it's definitely grading on a curve, but I think Lex has a good night in terms of getting the crowd engaged and he knows what his role well, is. And he... my, my big talking point in this match is you have five people in the ring and Conan's the best worker of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like I, I, I should kind of add the caveat that Lex's role is specifically confined to, like, he hot tag and finish, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And he does it well, and he gets the crowd going. Um, But, yeah, most of this match is carried by Conan, so that should probably set the bar for it's you. It's carried by Conan and Lex Luger's goatee, which is now back. Yes, thankfully. It's not back in as devastatingly amazing form as it was the first time we saw it but hopefully it's sticking around for a while this time um so lex what i love about this so conan goes to do his usual promo at the start and lex kicks it off by doing the let me speak on this line huge pop for me personally Which i gotta he say has to go and check before he does it he goes and checks with conan he's like it is this isn't it and he's like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great and I love at a at a point in the middle of Conan's promo, they cut to the crowd and uh, the world's biggest ma, who has clearly never heard of Conan before in her life, has no idea what to make of the man. Yep, the and why the he's so whitest popular. of white people you can imagine. <laughs> I just like yay, it's Conan. Yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> I've been here for four hours now. <laughs> oh god uh so uh, i will say lex is looking gassed to the fucking gills this week like yep. even for lex he is looking swole L- listen tracksuit lex isn't far away that's all i'm saying uh he starts the match uh and it starts off at a pace from like oh it's only gonna go a couple of minutes they're just gonna like run these fuckers out of town because they're the job squad and uh, this is the other thing right um the Wolfpack is small, and it is all, like... Elite. 
basically elite yeah. talent like either main event or u.s title level talent so like putting them in here with these three dudes is a real kind of like come on like you're gonna make us believe this is a back and forth the, match i i th- now again i'm gonna try and make logic out of a situation that oh. isn't logical continuity malone checking in but do you think they're purposely doing this where they're separating the wolf pack from the fucking job level guys that are now left in the black and white. I don't know. I don't, like, do you like, think I, they I, put I that much I, thought into it? Because they probably didn't. No, I really think it was probably just that none of the none of the Hollywood guys with any influence fancied putting on the trunks that night. Like, like <laughs> if you would have had giants Scott Norton and Steiner, yeah, it's an infinitely more kind of level match yeah oh i'm so, i'm sorry i'm just i every time i start thinking about this i just see in my highlighter on on my notes here horror stevie and vincent and it just makes me so mad well well now you um, say his name vincent Let, let's talk about vincent yeah because well firstly what i will say just to to just to uh Lay the floor out for you here, Lee, before you, you talk about Vincent. Uh, Horace gets in at one point and feeds into a hip toss for Luger. And I think to myself, that's the worst hip toss I've ever seen in my life. Until Four seconds later. <laughs> moments, <Yeah. laughs> moments later, Vincent gets involved. Now, I saw you on on the online yesterday lee talking about uh professional wrestler vincent um i will at this point give you the floor yeah so i i said this from the twitter account at wcw thunderpod that vincent virgil may be and is in my opinion the worst major league wrestler of all time like this guy has been around since what like the mid eighties at this well, I want late eighties. We'll give him that. We'll say late eighties. So a decade at this stage, and he can't feed for a bump. He can't bump. He can't get heat. He can't do simple fucking forearm. Like he's trying to pound on Conan, and all he's doing is literally dropping the forearm as lightly as he can on his back to make it look like punches. He wants it to appear like a punch. He is, he has no idea of where he's supposed to be in the ring at any no. time. How many times have we seen him mess up an interference spot? He does not follow instruction very well. Um, he definitely isn't good at thinking on his feet. There are moments here where he feeds into the wrong guy and completely stops dead and then runs towards another mm-hmm. guy. Uh, like, it is embarrassing. Like, and not only you're talking about he could, he can't bump, he can't do moves, but like he can't even sell punches. No. Like he gets hit with a punch here, and I I can't even describe it, Lee, the way he sells it. Like, like I get the pettiness of taking the guy that was called Virgil be after Dusty Rhodes and WWF. To calling him Vincent in WCW because ha ha ha, it's a shot back. 
that's great. That happened in 1996. Why is the man still employed in late 1998? Yeah. And when he's this bad, and it's not like it was a fucking secret until this point that he was this bad, why do you put him in matches? Like, I don't like him out on the ring being shit and causing interference either, but I will certainly take that over him in a TV main event, embarrassing himself and professional wrestling in general. And, like, I... It's one of the many reasons I balk at, like, the cornets of the world and things like that who say that, you know, people are doing too many flips and making it look too... um too much like cooperation mm-hmm. are exposing the business holy fuck holy fuck were you not watching tv during this period like uh, <laughs> this exposes the business way more than like a flippy ricochet match mm-hmm. does you know what i mean like this is clearly a guy who doesn't know how to fake fight trying to fake fight and there's no other way of looking at it <sighs> Like it, it's just amazing that the roster they had at their disposal that at this point they thought it was okay to put this man in a main event match or any match at that, yeah. at, at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was there's nothing stopping them letting the, this have just been a two on two tag. Like instantly, the match would be improved, and Horace is shit yeah. as well. Oh god, he's dog shit. And I talked about this, like, he also sells punches like shit. He gets the heat at one point in this match, and it's absolute shit. Horace has put on wrestling. But my god, one thing you can say about Horace, is at least Horace is a big dude. Yeah, like, like you know Horace I mean? has actually made the effort of getting wrestling gear. Yeah, and Horace looks like a guy who, there, there's a certain amount of acceptance in your head that a big guy would be kind of lumbering mm-hmm. and awkward because he's like the size of a fucking he's luggage like you know uh whereas vincent like just looks like shit do you know what i mean like I, like we said horace looks like shit as well but steve uh, like vincent is shit in a way that completely takes you out of everything and i can't imagine even a child watching this and not realizing that something's not on the level about professional wrestling. I'm not one who's precious about kayfabe, but like I expect in a TV main event a certain like standard, you know, and maybe that's our fault for having any expectations of world championship wrestling in 1998. Possibly, but I mean, literally two seconds ago, we saw how loud he was treated. Yeah. So they, they understand levels of people like in the company. Why, like, I, I just, I can't, I can't get my head around how this man is featured in the run-up to their biggest pay-per-view of the year in one of their main event slots. Yeah, it's, oh, it's just desperate. Um, And then we get to the finish. Yeah, so, right, Conan got the hot tag, the others try to come in, they get knocked down, this is where Vincent feeds into the wrong guy. Uh, Stevie, the fact that Stevie, Ray is the best worker on the Hollywood team, tells you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, he, But his segment is a big ball of boring. Lex hot tag, that gets the crowd up. Um, He realizes that this that the building really needs a kick in the arse at this point, so he's running all over the place. He hits his forearm strike. Um, He signals for the torture rack. Stevie blocks it with a jawbreaker. 
Stevie gets the slapjack out, but who should come out to block it, Lee? Scott Hall. Um, Lex then gets the rack in, and Stevie Ray taps, and the wolf pack look a little confused, staring up the ramp at why Scott Hall had helped them as we go off the air. <sighs> at least it ended. <laughs> I mean, if if that's the positive you want to take away, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, I try my best. I'm a positive guy, Lee. But, I I like I I will, I will say like if I want to try and find another positive, at least the match wasn't 100% a waste of time because that 10 seconds leading to the finish, if that, at least slightly further the what's going on with Scott Hall and the Wolfpack thing. So at least something was drawn for it. If it had just been a usual NWO Smaz finish, like, and we got nothing else from it, I'd be 5% more mad. True. Uh, it's just, yeah. uh, it, it's hard to fucking, like, I want to care. They're just draining it for me. They really are. And like, uh, like we said, like up until World War Three, they were doing a really good job. We seem to have hit a particular rut at the moment with them being unable to find things that we can care about mm-hmm. and and latch on to for more than a couple of weeks at a time and, and that's a shame. Um Lee we've reached the end of the episode. Um give us your, your winners and losers, please. Uh oh god like I... <laughs> Which was harder? Was it harder to find anyone who won on this episode, or was it harder to figure out a single loser? You know what? That that was going to be my thing. Like, I don't think there's any winners on the show. Yeah, and I think like for, I, for I don't think of anybody who's come out of it with more momentum. For the first time in the history of the show, I don't think there's anybody that comes out of the show looking looking positive. Uh, oh, actually, no, I can think of one. Go on, Sting, because he didn't bother coming out. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Um, but like losers, like fucking the black and white just look like absolute fucking jobbers. Canyon looks like a fucking idiot for Raven just coming out and getting him DQ'd. Raven for having a can of paint. Lodi, yeah, he's a jobber, but fucking hell. Uh, like Ray and Hoovy try and have this match, it just gets overshadowed by LWO shit. Yeah. Like, the cat looks like a fucking idiot. Kaz and, and Norman get boring chance. Yeah. Glacier and Saturn. Fucking slow motion karate. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Duncan and Jericho. Like, I mean, come on. Like, there, there's nothing to this show. It's just, yeah, it's a real... And do you want to know, Lee, why we probably feel that way? Something that's that's really not contributed to it. Let me take you over to the finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Seven matches on this show. One clean finish. Was that the... Jesus, what match was the clean finish? Let me... Uh, Kaz and Norman. Up. Yeah, that was the only clean finish on the show. Yeah. We had four disqualifications. And two interference leading directly to a finish. 
And this is this is one of the reasons why I started the Finnish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga is because this is how oh, this is gonna get how, more common like this, yeah. I I'm going to have to start adding sections to like match did not finish. Ma- match just <laughs> like, because, ended. Yeah, match just ended. Um promo began things for like reason. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real like so we're heading into a big show, so I would not not hope because it's the hope that kills you, Lee. But you would expect usually the middle couple of shows mm-hmm. in between pay per views for WCW are especially bad. Yeah. But the one thing I'll say of them in 1998 is even when the payoff at the pay per view hasn't been good, I think there's there's only like maybe one pay per view in the whole year where I can remember us not being a little bit excited by something coming into a pay per view. Mm-hmm they usually start hitting the important stuff on the head in yeah, the last the, the, couple the of weeks. the go-home so. shows te- generally tend to be good. Yeah, I would like to think this is going to be the worst of the of the, the month in terms of Thunder, especially because we were so positive on the last one. Um, But we'll see. And we know there are going to be things at the pay-per-view that will upset us and will lead to things that upset us even more. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll cross those bridges when we come to them. Um, thanks everybody for listening in to uh, another episode of Days of Thunder we shall talk to you in two weeks good luck thanks everyone for downloading another episode of Days of Thunder Days of Thunder is produced by Lee Malone and edited by myself Dave Ryan and available every second Thursday night wherever good podcasts are sold you can follow Days of Thunder on Twitter or Instagram where we love to hear from our listeners about all things wrestling and beer we're at WCW Thunderpod on both platforms I'm at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. This has been a production of the PWOM Podcast Network. Subscribe there for a veritable feast of podcasting content from wrestling of the past like the Worldcast through the years in the International House of Combat to wrestling of the present with Boom Goes the Dynamite and Strong Style Story and something a little bit different with Gideon Guys, Yours, Mine and the Truth and Busting Balls. Subscribe now, you won't be disappointed. Thanks. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars inside you I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart I can see through the scars